Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Aloha, everybody. Welcome. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. This is practically the middle of winter. <laughs> well, for some, it's summer if you're in Australia. So, good eye <laughs> to some of you. And meanwhile, we, in Utah, it's freezing. I'm freezing. Yeah. So, blessed be all of you. Send your warm vibes. So, Please. we're so excited to have you all here. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. This is Don't Miss This. We are starting uh, the book of Nephi today, the most read verses. In the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we're starting again, folks. This time we're going to finish the book. That's our goal. Oh, that is uh, awesome. So we are jumping in. Hopefully we're recording this in December um, because we're going to be gone for Christmas and all the things. So um, hopefully you've got your study journals oh, in hand. We, we, so. we, we just, just we can't so. prophesy. I will speak with the language of hope. You have obtained your journals <laughs> and you are happy that you have them. Um so we're really thrilled about that. Watch the newsletter for other exciting stuff that's happening. We forgot to talk about it last week, but the newsletter will have a printable in it each week um, um, that you are we're putting in new this year. And uh, also still the tips for teaching. Um, those who have little kids, those who have teens, and those who are gathered, just couples or groups. And sometimes you can adapt them for others. So just yep. each week has unique teaching tips. And then now a bonus printable that's in there and other things that should be really helpful. Yep. And we're so, going to let you look at the board. Oh, move out of the way so the that board. you can see this. And I think that was all the things that we had to say. Okay. Awesome. Okay. 1 Nephi 1 through 7. Um, this is fantastic. And we just are going to start off with 1-1, you know. But actually we're not. That is a lie because what we want to talk about is the bookends of the Book of Mormon yes, first. Yes, we do want So to. I lied to you already. Um, we talked about this a little bit last week, but we just want to show it to you now since it shows up in, in this chapter. And um, this is a verse, you know, that um, Elder Bednar kind of made famous. But And Nephi, just when he heard that conference talk, said like, I said that like 2,000 years ago. Um, <laughs> and and now so everybody, happy. yeah, he's like, now finally everyone's now. just finding it. Yeah. But it's neat that the Book of Mormon has these bookends. So the end of chapter 1 of Nephi. It's the first bookend. Yeah, is the first bookend. And it says in verse 20, I, Nephi, after he talks about that his father was trying to get killed by the people of Jerusalem, and he got saved. And he uses that incident to say this. Um, Behold, I, Nephi, will show you the tender mercies of the Lord um, over all those whom he hath chosen to make them mighty, even unto the power of deliverance. And he just says that's one example um, of a tender mercy. But he says, my intention is to show you that God makes people mighty and he makes them powerful in different ways. And I want you to watch that. And you love that he says this to you. Um, you I'm going to show you the tender mercies, right? I'm going to show you how God is able to do this in every condition and in every particular how God will be tender with you, whatever that looks like in your life. And that word mercy is a word you might want to study, you might want to think about this week, because that's what he wants you to gather, is the tender mercies. We will call them tender mercies, and we will also call them great things. You're going to see that 
um, two ways, and you're going to watch the prophets in the Book of Mormon use both of those words to describe that same thing. It's the great things the Lord has done, or it's showing you the tender mercies of the Lord. And that mercies, that is the word you want to capture. That's what you are watching all the way through. Because it's uh, mercy is something that means it's undeserved, mm -hmm. you know, um, not on your own merits. And so really you're just watching to see how is God great? How is he tender? And how is he merciful? Mm -hmm. In your life. And you're, you're watching for those moments. And then it's so awesome because at the very end of the book, in Moroni 10, um, so last chapter, right? We did the first chapter. And Nephi says, I'm going to show you how the tender mercies are over all those whom he has chosen to make them mighty unto deliverance. And you're going to watch that, right? He, he starts and he's like, you go forward and you're watching for the tender mercies. And then Moroni is going to say at the end, um, Behold, I would exhort you when you shall read these things, if it is wisdom in God that you should read them. And then there is this line that is so good. It says that ye would remember how merciful the Lord hath been unto the children of men. So there's that word again, mercy. I want you to remember, I want you to look back over this whole book and do exactly what Nephi told you to do at the beginning. I want you to watch for the mercy of the Lord, working in people's lives, those great things, that power unto deliverance. I want you to see where was that all the way through. It's so interesting because we could list it right now, right? We could be like, yeah, what about yeah. Ammon? What about the stripling warriors? What about Moroni? What about, um, we know the stories so well, we know what we're about to see. But it's so fun instead of just um, remembering the stories, what we talked about last week is, Remembering that it's the tender mercy of Jesus Christ in that story yeah. that's allowing those great things to take place. And that's what we want to be piecing together. Yeah. And it might be interesting to start thinking right now, delivered from what? Because in this particular example, Nephi's, Lehi was delivered from danger. But you might be delivered from doubt. You might be delivered from sin. You might be delivered from uh, confusion or contention. So that word is really big. How is God intervening in your story and to be merciful to like deliver you from all of these things? I also think it might be worth saying in that first Nephi 120, where he says, the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen. And at first it makes you sound like, uh-oh, I didn't get picked for the <laughs> kickball team. That never happened to me, by the way. But um, but then there's that so line that says... You never did says, get picked? Or you no, never I always didn't. got picked. I, I never got first picked. picked. Everybody, I never got picked. So First pick. Everyone hates you right now. No, they don't. The people who are first pick are like, that's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> they liked me. Obviously, they picked me. Okay. Um, but he says this. There's a comma and a little phrase that's so important. He says, all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith. Meaning, faith, remember, is a trust word. It's somebody who like puts their trust in their hope in Jesus. So what does it mean to be chosen? It means that you've chosen him. Mm -hmm. So it's not him just picking like, oh, I like you and I like you and I like you. But it's just like Jesus saying, if you'll hand me your life, then, then I can do something with it. So that's what it means to be chosen. It means that you've actually chosen him. I think that's really important. So important. To show that everybody's in this. Okay, now you can go to 1-1 one, because one, you're okay, so excited. Okay, back to 1-1. One, one. The most read verse. Here we go. Drum roll. And it's got so much good truth. So it's okay if you've read it 10,000 times because... Because you need to. Yeah. To have it. What are those flowers from? 
I got these in Israel from this little city called Biet Lehi, or the city of Lehi. That's oh, the name cool. of it. And it's a city they're just uncovering right now. They don't really know if Nephi lived there, but I just wanted to pretend he did. So I took some flowers from there and stuck them in my book. That's not illegal. Okay, because you just showed the internet. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, one, one, I, we love how he starts out. Um, Nephi didn't know he was going to be starting out the book of Mormon. Remember Mormon puts this in later because of the lost pages that happened, but he's just starting off his personal record. Nephi's practically saying like, this is my story. And it's neat that his story kind of becomes everyone's mm -hmm. story. You know, he's just kind of a everyman guy, but, um, he says this, um, I been, having been born of goodly parents. Therefore, I was taught somewhat in the learning of my father. And then this part's so awesome. And having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, nevertheless, being highly favored of the Lord in all my days, yea, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God. Like that's how he wants to introduce himself as somebody who is, number one, the phrase he uses is highly favored Which is of again the Lord. a hard phrase. Let's just talk about yeah. that for a minute because you want to think about the kickball team. Again, right. If you're, how did he get to be highly favored? And um, there's just there is that little moment that you're like, what does that even mean to be? Because favored sounds like favorite, favorite, you know, yeah. and it lends to that, and it's yeah. not. But the right? word favored you could actually change out for grace. Same word, um, it means the same thing. So he was highly graced, you could say, by the Lord, and which makes us want to talk about what even is grace. And it's an enabling strength or power. So I was, um, what he's saying to you is, um, in the course, I saw many afflictions in the course of my days. Nevertheless, I was enabled or strengthened by the Lord. Um, and then he's going to tell you um, that I had a great goodness or I had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries, right? So what he's telling you is to be highly favored is to be someone who is living in grace. Right. That's what it is. And it, at first, it sounds like highly favored means lack of or absence of afflictions. But it's right there in Nephi's introduction. He says, I saw afflictions all the days of my life, which is why I was highly favored. So it's almost like afflictions are required in order to see the grace of God. If and I can do it on my because own. Isn't it easier to see grace in the broken moments? Well, or in the, the moments right, when you are weak? Maybe the only time. Yeah, where right? it's just clear that you're like, well, I couldn't do this on my own. And that's where I see the Lord, right? That enabling strength, that um, that healing and, and strengthening and delivering and rescuing and all of those things that speak of grace. Right. I love that he's like, I, I had all this affliction, but the Lord showed up. Mm -hmm. And I was delivered and I was rescued and I was protected and I was led and I was strengthened and I was um, all of the things that we would say is the Lord's grace over Nephi. And um, and he saw the goodness of the Lord in that grace. Yeah, which you, And he which again, discovered the mysteries of God. Right. And, and mysteries you could replace with revelations. Mm -hmm. Right? That's usually what that word means. It's like, I was led. I was yep. guided. God in, responded. Yeah, in dark places. Like, he just, he led me through those. And, 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 and again, like, it just makes you think, you'll find out right away in chapter two, like, that his life was not easy. And that's not, sometimes when a hard thing happens in life, we want to say, God, where are you? You know, like, I'm, I'm not favored. And it's just the opposite. Mm -hmm. Like, it is in those gritty places you know, when God shows up, that we find favor and that we find yeah. 
guiding revelation, that we find tenderness, mm-hmm. that we find mercy, that we yeah. find all the great things. And and you want to compare that to, if you look over into chapter 2, um, verse 12. First of all, let's just say the one good thing that we love about those videos that are being made of the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. is I like that Laman and Lemuel... Um, are not depicted as like, this is not like, everybody's not black and white. Everyone's not either good or evil. Like people are like um, complicated and they wake up some mornings feeling really connected to God and they wake up other mornings feeling distant. And it's just how we all are. We're just like this all the time. Um, The difference between them, I think, is in this verse, which is uh, they murmured against their father and it says, because they knew not the dealings of that God. Who had created mm, them it's so good that they that they weren't watching for favor that they weren't watching for goodness how he interacted and mysteries and, and god to respond and it's so easy to get there it is uh, by personal testimony it is easy to get to that place where you stop watching for god and sometimes afflictions cause you to stop looking and sometimes they cause you to look harder for mm-hmm. him and that is going to be the difference and it, there's a tipping point Right. There's affliction comes in which way are you going to lean? Yeah. And, and it's so interesting because you see Nephi just saying, I saw him everywhere. I saw him everywhere. And Laman and Lemuel, they just, they didn't. Yeah. I, we knew not the dealings of God. We don't, we didn't know how he worked in our life. And there is something about discovering how Jesus Christ works in a life. Um, and you're going to watch that play out here. And then maybe you're going to see some things there and think, okay, how does that work in my life? What did Nephi do? How did he engage with God? How did he build that relationship as he was going through the pages? What were the things that led him to progress in truth as opposed to get caught up in that dissension and contention and unrest and that uncomfortableness with, um, the good, the goodness of God. Yeah, I love a couple verses back actually that Dad, uh, dad. suddenly I became my dad. Okay, um, said in verse nine to Laman where they get to this spot where um, mm. waters like empty into a river, kind of empties into a, a, you know a, a place, a fountain, which he calls it, and he says to Laman, I, "I wish you would be like this river that just runs into this source water." Right, the fountain of all righteousness. And whenever I hear you hear the word righteousness, immediately think like, oh, pay your tithing, don't swear, mm-hmm. don't hit people, um, <laughs> don't pick people last on the kickball team, like all the things. But that's actually a name of Jesus, the fountain of all righteousness. And and you can see that um, different imagery throughout scripture, like him being living water. And dad is saying to Laman, I, I want you to always be immersed in the goodness of Jesus. I want you to be immersed in his story. I want you to like, I wish you would always, you know, be mm-hmm. swimming in that water. Well, and I love That's the, the wordplay of this. That is so fun that I've never noticed till just right now. But don't, what if you were just to change that, the fountain of all righteousness to Jesus Christ. And I love that he says to him, you know what I wish for you? That you would just continually, continually run into Jesus Christ. Um, which almost makes you feel like you're just going to, run into him throughout the day. You're just going to have these little moments of interaction with him. What if we lived our life like that, that you were just continually running into him all day long? Oh yeah, I saw him here. And then I saw him again here. And then I saw him again here. And it became just that fluid process 
of your life. Yeah, and then to Lemuel, I'm just now thinking of this for the first time. I've never like kind of retranslated this in my head. He says, I want you to be firm and steadfast, immovable in keeping the commandments of the Lord. And what if that was those mysteries again? Like, I want you to be steadfast and immovable and looking to him for what you should do next, you know? Like, commandments of the Lord doesn't mean like, oh, let's put the Ten Commandments up in your room, you know, on the wall and make sure you're always keeping them. But like, rather, I want you to always be looking to your commander. Like, what should I do in this circumstance? Mm -hmm. What should I do? He's like, I wish you would be like that. Always looking to him for answers and direction and help. It's so interesting because we don't often see exclamation marks in scripture. Rarely do we. And I love that um, as you see that there, this dad is so passionate about saying, let me tell you what I see in you. And this is what I wish for you. Um, it reminds me of that country song I love so much, My Wish for You. Do you know that song? My oh, wish yes. for you. Oh, you love That's that song. Good. Pick me up, Rascal um, Blitz. And, that, and is that the one when the dad is talking to his daughter in the airport? Or is that a different poem? I don't even know. But <laughs> we went on a really big tangent. What I want to say is this. It makes me want to do this for my kids. That is where I'm going with it. Mm. Don't you want to have that moment where you're like, this is what I wish for you this year. And this is what I wish for you and this is what I wish for you. And wouldn't it be a little bit different for every one of your kids? But if you were like, if, if I could think of the greatest good for you, this would be my wish. I wish this is what your mm. year would look like. That could be really awesome. And I love that this pattern of, and he is just so Jesus-centered in both mm. of them. He's like, that is really what I want, yeah. is for you to have him yeah. in your life. Yeah, um, I love that. Okay, that was really fun and cool. Um, Oh, then we love the story. You oh, okay. love the story Here's too. You have the story, story memorized. We won't go into it in detail because you kind of know how it works. But remember, they all leave, they escape, they go away, and then they get out there. And Lehi is like, "Oh no, we we didn't bring the commandments with us." And now I'm the only one <laughs> who remembers <laughs> all of them. And what happens if I die? Right? That's what he's thinking. Yeah. So he's like, "You guys better go back and get." The scriptures yeah and what scriptures would they have gotten it's so fun to just think about this because they he didn't go get all of our four standard works right they only Doctrine would have companies. had up to um when jeremiah was the prophet right and um and those things that had happened at that point that's what they were going back to get yeah the commandments um and so he tells the boys you go back and they're going to go back and they're going to make a little plan so well and we should say again he says I, I want, the Lord wants you to go back, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what makes Nephi's famous answer that we love so much, mm -hmm. you know, so powerful. Is he, doesn't, he doesn't just say, like, I'll go and do the things. But he says, I'm going to go and do the things which the Lord asked me to do. Like, because he's the one asking, I'm going to go and do it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, which is funny because, like, you, you already think right at the beginning, like, why didn't he tell you to bring him with you? You know, yeah. like what does God have up his sleeve that they get out there three days? And he's like, I want you to go back. Yeah. You know, yes, he wants him to get the scriptures, but, but I there's think there's be something that yeah. he wants There's going to be learning them. that is going to happen. So they go and we're going to watch several things happen. Um, the first is in verse 11. They get together. All the brothers are there. They're like, what should we do? And they decide they're going to cast lots. Now that wasn't random. That really was the tradition of the Jews. That's what you did when you decided what, who was going to go and what you were going to do. You would cast lots and go out and do that thing. And you remember they go, 
um, who gets the lot? Laban. And he leaves and goes and says, I, can I take these plates? And Laban's like, I'm going to kill you. And then he yeah. leaves. <laughs> and so the second he goes back and he's like, okay. And I do love that he comes back and he's like, well, we tried. Yeah, you know. we did. We can go back now. And this yeah. verse, hold on. Can we just do a little commercial right here? Yeah. 315 is, I like this better than 1st Nephi 3.7. Don't tell the church because everyone loves 3.7. But I love that they come, they try and they fail. And it's a miserable failure. Like they're now, they have a poster, a wanted poster <laughs> in Jerusalem with their picture on it. Because it's like, if you see this guy, kill him. He's a yeah. robber. Yeah. And put him in jail. And I love that Nephi's like, I, I said, as the Lord liveth and as we live, we will not go down to our father until we've accomplished this thing. That I love his grit where he is yeah. just like, either we have to die or God has to die before we don't do this. Yeah. Like, there is just this like, I'm not backing down from, from this. this. Um, so it's going to be number two now. Second try. Now they're going to put their brains together and they're like, oh, this is a good idea. This okay, let's sell. Let's go back and get all our stuff. Because remember, they left all their gold. Like, let's sell it. Yeah, and they must have been a wealthy family. That's what it makes you feel like. Right. Um, so they're going to go get all their gold, all their silver, all their precious things. They go in. How does that work out? Uh, bad. They get chased out of the city. Now, all their pictures are unwanted posters, right? So they all get chased out of the city. And again, it's kind of like, okay, we're done. And obviously, that triggers some uh, resentment. And so maybe maybe they saw the things that they left again, and they're a little bit bitter. And so they start to kind of, you know, beat on Nephi um, and get after him. And then this is so cool. Yep. So before the third time, before the third approach, there is this moment in Scripture that is so good. Before we even talk about it, let's just talk about this. I love um, in the CES Fireside Elder Rasband did about a year ago. Um, is that when it was? Mm-hmm. And he talked about, um, he suggested that everybody have a protection scripture, a scripture that you can cling to in times of duress or great need. And I love that this is what is going to happen right now because here they've gone twice. They've almost been killed. They've lost everything they own now. There's really n- nothing else they have to offer in order to get the plates. And they've kind of discovered this is now impossible. Like... You know, everyone went along with try number two because it was like, oh, maybe he can be persuaded with money, right? Let's try reason. Now let's try money. And and now, like what? Now it's an impossible task. Yep. And so, and they get so mad an angel has to show up for just a second because now not only does Laban want to kill Nephi, but Laban and Lemuel also want to kill Nephi. And they finally say to him, listen, this is not going to work. Like, this is ridiculous. What you're thinking of and what you're doing, this you've got to get it in your head. This is not going to work. And they say this, How is it possible that the Lord will deliver Laban into our hands? Behold, he is a mighty man, and he can command 50. Yea, even he can slay 50. And I love this line right here. Hold on to this. Then why not us? And then you love that um, Nephi is going to um, go back to his protection scripture. That's what's going to happen mm. right now. And um, he says to them, let us go up again unto Jerusalem and let us be faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord. For behold, he is mightier than the whole earth. Then why not mightier than Laban and his 50 or even than his tens of thousands, right? I love that when they're like that he can slay 50, then why not us? And Nephi's reply is um, he is mightier than all the earth. Then why not? mightier than Laban and then he goes into 
Verse 2, Therefore let us go up, let us be strong like unto Moses. For he truly spake under the waters of the Red Sea, and they divided hither and thither, and our fathers came out, and you know that this is true. And I love that in that moment, Nephi's like, I'm going back to my protection scripture. I'm going to go back to this moment when the Lord did not fell, and that's what I'm going to cling to. Right. And it makes you want to think, like, what do you look back on? What do you look to to kind of give you that courage? That courage. We call it brave trust. I'm trusting God and I'm brave and trusting him because I know another story. Because I've seen him do this before in scripture, in my mom's story, in my neighbor's, in my own story in the past. Remember David does that before he slays Goliath. He's just like, mm -hmm. God's protected me from a lion and a bear before. So I know he will do this for me. And, and that's what Nephi's doing. He's, mm -hmm. he's just like, look, Moses did something that had never been done before. He stood on the banks of the Red Sea. No one's opened an ocean before, and, and God did it. So I don't care if Laban's got 50 or 10,000s, like Gideon's story, or who knows what other mm -hmm. stories he's, yes. he's he thinking about. Yeah, he was holding about. on to. Yeah, yeah. I'm but holding like, on to that God. If, the, yeah. if God was like that way for Moses, then he can be that way for me, is what he is holding on to. And I love listing these, these plans, right? Because the first plan is, okay, we're going to cast lots. The second plan is, let's just give them all of our treasure. We'll buy the scriptures. That's what we're going to do. And then the third plan is no plan, right? Yeah. I love that he gives them this big talk. He tells them his protection scripture. He's like, he's like and then what's your plan? And what's your plan? And then it says this, and I, Nephi, crept into the city. <laughs> That's it. That's his plan. And he tells us right there, and I was led by the Spirit not knowing beforehand the things which I should do, nevertheless, I went forth. And you just love that sometimes there's not going to be a plan. Yeah. And sometimes there is, and there's nothing wrong with the fact that they had this great strategy, and because sometimes that's what is great and fine, and God's going to bless that. You kind of see that with the brother of Jared, right? But in this particular moment, it seems like God wants to teach Nephi this lesson of, Sometimes you just have to let me lead. Like you have to let, give, give yourself to me 100%, which is eventually where he's trying to get all of us, right? Is I want your whole heart mm -hmm. and, and your, all your will, if you can hand it over to me. And, and we say back, but Lord, I don't know what you're going to do with it. And I don't know what it's going to look like. And he says, I know, I know. Um, this is a lesson that Nephi is learning. And we want to ask, when have your when have you had your nevertheless moments where there hasn't been a plan and you haven't known what you were going to do and even going into the situation just didn't even make sense like you're like this is not right right and and it takes a lot of bravery and it takes a lot of trust in him and you might have to look back on 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 previous scriptures and in your own life and stories you know I, I mean, this has happened a couple of times, but I have stood on a doorstep before that I just felt prompted I need to go into the situation. And, and sometimes it's been a really complicated situation or a tragic situation. And I've knocked on the door as a nevertheless moment and just said, like, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what the situation is going to be like, but I feel like the presence of the spirit with me. And I'm just like, just lead me through this. And and sometimes I even said that to the people when I opened the door. Listen, I don't even know what to say to you. Um, but but God sent me here. And and that I'm sure of. And they've just been really sweet, tender experiences, you know, 
um, to do that, to have, it's so scary Mm -hmm. on this side of it, but then you walk away from it. And now every time I walk away, I'm like, I can do that again. Yeah. And you, and it just lets you know, God knows. Like there's things God knows, there's plans he has that that we just don't understand. We couldn't comprehend or put that together, but God knows what to do. And And sometimes you have to learn it on front porches and banks of the Red Sea. You you have to just creep into the sea. That's what you have to do because you're not going to learn the lesson until you go. And, And part of the reason why is because what is about to happen sometimes is something you would not feel equal to. And so you think, like if he told you, this is what you're about to do, you'd be like, mm, I'm not doing that. I'm not qualified for that. I'm not cut out for that. I'm not doing that. But it's because you're moving step by step that when you get into that moment, you're like, okay, now this is the next part of the process. And I think watching for those nevertheless moments is powerful. The Lord talks about it here, nevertheless, I went forth. And um, we see it again in 3 Nephi 18 when he tells them, nevertheless, continue to minister. And I think those nevertheless moments are powerful. Mm -hmm. They're the moments when the Lord says, put your trust in me, um, be led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand what's about to happen. Let me just lead you into this situation. And great blessings will come from it. Deliverance will come from it. Rescue will come from it, right? These are the nevertheless moments. It's the times when we just say to the Lord, I'm putting 100% trust in you and I'm creeping into the city. Yeah, and the first Nephi 5, chapter 5 Nephi, is very different Mm -hmm. from the chapter 3 Nephi because of the experience where he allowed God to mold him and lead him. Like, on the other side of that is, I'm not... Like, he is a different person. And you almost, like, wish you could, you know, hear him and see him. You know, he gets back and maybe, you know, um, you know, Lehi's like, you did it, Nephi. And he's like, Dad, I, I, I have to tell you, you the story. I am a different person. I know God in a more intimate way now than I did before I ever left. And the thing that is interesting that I want to say at the beginning of this study of the Book of Mormon is... We don't know where you are in your faith or what's going on in your life right now. But it's interesting because when you watch Nephi and Laman and Lemuel, they all went with their dad into the wilderness. They all left their stuff behind. They all went back to get scripture. They all went through the motions of what God had asked them to do. Every one of them did. They went through the motions. One of those three people had a life-changing experience in his heart. And his progression between chapter 3 and chapter 5 is remarkable because of what happened there. Laban and Lemuel stay on that same plane for the entire time we read their personal stories. Um, Not because they weren't having the same experiences, but because they weren't allowing the experiences to change their heart. And there's something about watching Nephi engage that I think is important. And for everyone who's listening, this is a really important, I liked when you talked about earlier the tipping place. This is a really important decision to make because I will tell you what I think the difference is between Nephi and Laman and Lemuel, and it is one word, desire. Nephi wanted to know if the God of Lehi was real. 
He wanted to. Mm-hmm. And he put that to the test over and over and over again. And I think God's personality is, if you want to connect with me, I will reveal myself to you in in great amounts. Like you will not miss me if you want to find me. Yeah. Oh, that's so neat to think of the difference between um, having an experience, you know, going on a, an experience and letting that experience go through you or more powerfully than that, letting God move through you. Yeah, because you know? I think what you're trying to say is just going through an experience or letting that experience go through you. Right. That's so interesting. Right. Because it's the same experience either way. And, and you don't, we don't blame Laman and Lemuel. Like we've all been on that tipping point. It's so easy to fall either way, which is why maybe having these trust scriptures, you know, in these stories and, and telling your story out loud is so important so that, you know, you, you can rely on the strength of others to help you tip that way. I, I was having a conversation with a, just a friend in, in my neighborhood who's going through an experience right now. And I love hearing her speak about, um, how much she trusts God. And it really is that trust of God that's letting the experience move through her. Like I'm watching it. She's, she's being changed by the experience, but I can also like sense, like when I like hear her talk, I'm like, I want to run away. (laughs) I I, I want you to run away. And I want you to like, you know, and instead she is like sitting in it. She's like, I let me, I'm I, like, I'm, she's going to immerse in the story of Jesus. I'm going to let him teach me and lead me and mold me in this is what I'm going to let him do. So good. So they get home and can you imagine too, let's just think about it. Your son comes home. He sits down. He's going to talk to mom and dad. This is what happened. First of all, he tried to kill Layman. <laughs> then he took all of our stuff and then I had to go in there and I got his sword and can you imagine Soraya? She's like, what? What? You said they were going back to get the plates. You didn't say anything about all of this espionage and murder and all this stuff that was going to take place. Is anyone a worrier? Because I am like, I have a worst case scenario planned out before anyone even leaves the front door of everything that could go wrong. This is why I had to tell Josh, her son, before he left on his mission, don't tell your mom anything that happens. You save it all for when you're home, around the kitchen table, with Chick-fil-A. It's just a better time for her to find out. Remember, I'm the mom who the mission president had to call to see if Caleb could go into Serbia. It's fine, everyone. So then you love when Lehi says, I think I'm going to send you back. Right? Could you imagine Soraya's face in that moment? What? Did we talk about this? Is that what? No, you're not going back. Yes, this is going to be easier. They're just going back um, for this. But they're, So they're going to leave again. But it's interesting that she doesn't have that reaction. And I think this is the reason why. Um, so it starts here. You know? They come into five. And um, oh, yeah, because they haven't left yet. This is when they're first coming back right. from the first time. And... Um, she, he comes back and they're going to say, um, and before they even come back, she's like, they have been gone forever. They're dead. Yeah. yeah they've died. Is. Everybody died. And <laughs> while they were gone, she really says that in verse two. And she's so mad right now by the time that it's been this many days. And we love that there's two different languages that take place right now that are going to happen as we go through this part of the story. And we get that phrase because they both use the phrase, this manner of language. And we're like, wait, what's that? What manner of language did you use? Yep. And um, so it says, he says to her, listen, I know I am a dreamer. 
That's what he says to her. I know I am. Um, and I know um, if I hadn't seen the things I saw in a vision, I wouldn't have known the goodness of God. So you have to trust that because it was those visions that led us to come out of Jerusalem in the first place. And it makes you think this is where Nephi is learning this, you know, from his dad. Because he's just like, I've seen the goodness of God yeah. in this experience. Yeah. In this experience. I know this is what we're supposed to do. And then you love this in verse 5 when he says, And behold, I have obtained a land of promise. And don't you want to think of your Sariah, really? Because where is it? Is this it? Is this, like, what land of promise are you talking about? Because he's talking about, I, I have obtained this land of promise. Yeah, he's talking about this like, future in past event. Ten, but he's talking yes. about it in past yeah, tense. Yeah, as if it's already. And I, and this, I rejoice about it. <laughs> and I know the Lord will deliver my sons out of the hands of Laban and bring them down again unto us in the wilderness. And then it says this, And after this manner of language did my father Lehi comfort my mother. Okay, we want to think about this for a minute. Because what would you call this type of language? Also, it's funny that the boys weren't there. So obviously they have heard this story on repeat of, and then this happened, and then yes, this yeah. happened, right? Um, because they weren't there yet when this was happening. Um, but what would you call this manner of language? And as we were talking about it, we were like, this would probably be the language of hope. That's how Lehi is communicating, right? Yeah. I have seen a vision. I knew we were supposed to leave Jerusalem. I have a land of promise. Um, and I know... Our boys are going to be delivered. Like he is speaking this language of hope, and he's doing it in order to comfort Sariah in that moment. And so we we want to think about that first. That there is power in the language of hope. Yeah, there, just there's like power in that. That I'm out in the middle of the wilderness, but I'm going to talk about future blessings as if they happened in the past. Like I just, it's good. You know, it's gonna not just gonna be okay. It's gonna be good. Yep. Like there, it's gonna be good in the end. And it worked really good for Lehi, right? That type of language was. That's how Lehi got through things, and um, he used that the whole time they were gone. It tells us in trying to comfort the mother. But there's something really important that happens in verse seven because it says, "And when we had returned to the tent of my father, behold, their joy was full." And my mother was comforted. So you're like that. The language of hope wasn't necessarily <laughs> Soraya's language. Right. Even though Lehi kept using it to try and help her. But when she finally felt that comfort is when the boys walked in the door. And everyone who's had a boy come home from a mission or probably from the army or even from a date on Saturday night at midnight, you know the comfort you feel when they walk back into the room and you're like, okay, now I know they're fine. And then you love this because she says, and now she's going to speak in a different manner of language. And she spake saying, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has commanded my husband to flee into the wilderness. Yea, and I also know of a surety that the Lord has protected my sons and delivered them out of the hands of Laban and given them power whereby they could accomplish the thing which the Lord hath commanded them. And after this manner of language, did she speak? And this manner of language is assurance, right? It's, this is what I have come to know about the Lord because of what I just experienced. And maybe we would call this the language of faith. This is, um, this is proven. This is, this is what has happened. And now it has deepened my testimony of Jesus Christ yeah, and how that, he works That cyclical, life. you know, thing that we talked about last year, and we'll talk about it again, just this idea of like, 
I stepped into the darkness and now the way lit up before me. You know, that's what she's experiencing. You know, is it just like, okay, now next time, now the boys are going to get sent off again. Yes. And she's like, great. Okay. Maybe now she can speak with a little bit more hope, maybe. But the point is, they It doesn't both, matter which right. language you speak in, um, which I think is interesting because some of us might have more of the language of hope. I just know the Lord will do this. I know he will. And some of us are maybe more of the language of faith. I'll watch for the Lord. But I will bear testimony of what I think the Lord will do after I have experienced it in my own life. And it's the power of both of those languages, of that type of ongoing communication, that I think helps us get through life together. Yeah. You need the hope speakers and, and you need the one the faith speakers too. You need the people that are breathing in hope into a situation and the ones that are confirming faith on the other side of that situation right who could come in afterwards and say like let me tell you why i know and let me tell you why i'm sure and what's great is you look in verse 9 and it says and they did rejoice exceedingly mm-hmm. and, and they thanks. i love that it says they yeah all of them both yeah so and then gave thanks unto the god of israel so what is great is both the language of hope and the language of faith lead to rejoicing and they lead to thanksgiving they they both have the same exact effect yeah you know and I love it. It's a group. It's a family. And they all need it. They are yeah, all, all like experiencing it together, together at the same time. And it's so interesting. I've never noticed this before either. But I think this is so neat that she doesn't say, "I now I know that the Lord protected Nephi and then he gave Nephi power. And do you find it really interesting that she says, the Lord protected my sons and delivered them out of the hands of Laban and he gave them power whereby they could accomplish the thing which the Lord hath commanded them and I love that that Soraya looked at him and she was like, you know, they all entered in, they all went, they followed the commandment of the Lord, they were all obedient, and the Lord protected every one of them. And again, we're just going to watch that process of they're all going through yeah. the same experience together. Um, but but who is letting that experience change them? Who has the desire to be changed? Yeah. And then again, her language that is Jesus' first language. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Nephi got the plates. Yep. It was the Lord delivered them. And I want her to sit down, Laman and Lemuel, and maybe she did, and say to them, God rescued you. Mm-hmm. He saved your life. Like, I want you to see that in the story. You are not walking away from this as a failure. You're not the bad guy in the story. Mm-hmm. Like, he rescued you from your ignorance and your doubt. And from, and from the sword of Laban. Like, God was in your story. But that takes so much humility. And For them to recognize mm-hmm. it. To be right? able to, to sit back and say, where was God in that story? Like, put aside the fear and put aside the doubt. Put aside the anger. Put aside all of that and, and sit down for a minute and say, okay, where was God? Where did he show up yeah. in this story? And she does it. Because she could say to her sons, I, when you were gone, I doubted the whole thing. Like I was ready to run back. Like, and, and now I've seen him and she is showing her vulnerability, I think is so powerful as a mother to teach her kids like, wait, I, I doubt too. Like I, I didn't beat your brother, but you don't know, but like I've been through that and, and God still delivered all of us despite how we initially responded. Yeah. Oh, we just love watching for Jesus in these stories. So that's the first time with these people, yeah, that you're you know? going to see the Lord just showing up and working and sending angel, angels and um, 
directing through the spirit. You're just going to watch how he works. He was just as present in that moment in Jerusalem as he was um, when the woman reached out and touched his rope. And as present as he is in your story. So this week, despite your doubt, despite your your negative reactions when you blow up at people, you know, and all the things like where is God in your story? Where is he being great? Where is he being tender? And where is he being merciful? Okay, that okay. was a good one. See you next week. See you next week. The Tree of Life. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.